0: Yeah, when you get right down to the core of it, it all has to come back to the greatest commandment. Am I loving God with all that is within me? And am I loving my neighbor as myself? And that transcends all historical cultural contexts. It doesn't matter where
1: you are, it's just loving God, loving others. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Indoubt Podcast Show. I'm Isaac, your host. Hey, so today marks the beginning of a new two-week series called Christian Paradigms, breaking the Christian trends that confuse true discipleship. I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Last week, we finished our Love and Lust series with interviewing Christian counselor Tom Brooks. If you didn't get a chance to listen, make sure you do. It was really eye-opening, both for single Christians and also married Christian couples. Uh, Last week, we also released an article called I'm Addicted to Porn and I Serve at My Church. Uh, Whether you relate with that title or not, I encourage you to give it a a read. It gets into this question of why are you doing what you're doing? Like in regards to both watching pornography and serving your church. Because when you honestly answer those questions, it can really help you on the road to freedom. If you're being honest, like I said. Um, So yes, we're in a new series called Christian Paradigms, which again is breaking the Christian trends that confuse true discipleship. When we look at the Christian worldview honestly, we'll see easily that there are truths, absolute truths. Uh, If a Christian holds to the orthodox view of scripture, then they can't get away from black and white truths. Uh, There are rights and there are wrongs. So when it comes to following Jesus, there are true biblical principles and beliefs that must be put in place in order for there to be fruit. Uh, We can look at the book of Romans and the book of Ephesians for instance. Uh, These are two letters the Apostle Paul wrote to churches in the first century. Both books deal with essential Christian doctrine first, then explain how that doctrine applies and manifests itself in everyday life. So, marriage, family, work, etc. God, through his word, gives us truth about us, Jesus, and the world, and helps us apply them to our life. Now, when we look at our culture today, We don't see one standard of living. We see multiple worldviews and multiple rights and wrongs. Uh, Many believe in relative truth, that truth is merely subjective. You know, I believe what I think is true, and you believe what you think is true, and we can live happily together. Sure, this may sound respectful and nice, but this way of living just can't last. It's not sustainable. The moment someone does or believes something they believe is true, and another person can't tolerate it, then we have a problem. Christianity, on the other hand, has a standard. Now, that standard is perfection, to be completely pure and holy. Now, obviously, uh, the Christian worldview also believes that humanity is fallen and incapable of being holy on their own. So they put their faith in Christ, God's son, in order that he may be their holiness, that he may be their purity. Following Jesus really is allowing Jesus to be your righteousness in and through your life. But what happens when you have Christians living in a culture with so much relative and subjective truth? Well, you get multiple ways of doing church and doing Christianity. Now, this series is not here to say, you know, this is the right way to do church or do Christianity. Uh, We simply want to look at some of the trends that we see in Christianity in our culture and put them next to the basic biblical truths of true discipleship. Because I'm not hesitant to say that many Christian trends today are harmful and not biblically true. Anyways, our aim in this series is to encourage and provide conversation and biblical truth in regards to what it really means to follow Jesus. In just a moment, we'll be listening to a conversation I had with Pastor Doug Dunbar. Uh, We chat about some essentials when it comes to true discipleship and look into some scripture in order to help us. I very much enjoyed our conversation. And next week, I'm going to be sitting down with some young adults like myself, and we'll be talking about what it's like to do discipleship and do church in our culture today. We'll look at some trends, why we think they're right or wrong, and just have a conversation. But for this week, let's get into the conversation I had with Doug. Today, I'm in the studio with Doug Dunbar. He is a pastor in Mission, BC, which is about an hour east of uh, Vancouver. I Actually, I know Doug. He was my Bible professor for two classes in Bible college. Uh, for Pentateuch was one of them and, and the Gospels. And that was like, that must have been 2012 and 2013. Anyways, uh, he, he's also um, the pastor of my grandparents. Actually, three years ago now, my grandfather uh, passed away. And it was amazing to see Doug uh, kind of pastor our whole family through that. So, thank you for that. By the way, that was
0: that was a great great privilege.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he still he still pastors my grandma, and he's and he's faithful in that. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are?
0: A little bit about me. Well, yeah, okay. I'm a I'm a pastor. I do that. Yeah. Um That's been an interesting journey, and we might get into that as we talk a bit about discipleship and how Jesus leads us uh, in this conversation. Um, So I've been doing that for about three and a half years now uh, as a lead pastor. Uh, Before that, doing a lot of uh, church ministry over the last 20 years in uh, uh, worship ministry, mainly uh, as a musician. i just finished my master's degree this last year at Acts Seminaries. Uh, that took me, oh, 13 years. Right. Uh, pretty much.
1: And what, what was the uh, your thesis on again?
0: My master's thesis. I did an MTS in Old Testament. The topic was uh, a linguistic narrative analysis of the call of Moses, Exodus 2 to 4, looking at that as a literary narrative unit and how it hung together linguistically in the ancient Hebrew and uh, how it connected with the rest of the story <laughs> and linguistics of the Pentateuch as a whole.
1: Okay. That's great. Why don't we just talk about that instead? (laughs) (laughs) How about not? How about not, yes. I I put that on the shelf after
0: my defense and I left it there. I have not looked at it since. That's often what happens with those kind of projects.
1: That's funny. Yeah. And uh, you're also a musician. Yes. Um,
0: I'm in a, currently in a band called Quintessential Jazz, and we, uh, we've we been together for about 10, 11 years. Uh, we've been uh, playing gigs all over the lower mainland, uh, a lot of corporate stuff, private functions, yeah. uh, fundraising events for different nonprofit organizations. Uh, we have three CDs out now, and we're working on our fourth one.
1: That's awesome. That's really good. What are some of the relations between theology and jazz? Theology and jazz... Well,
0: theology is basically kind of taking what we have in the text of the Bible and creating, in some ways, as best we can, an overall picture of, of the beauty of what is there. Jazz is taking a uh, taking a song, taking a structure, and creating within that structure again something of beauty. Mm. Uh, so there's improvisation a little bit on both sides, right uh, you, you know we're, we're striving to understand. we're trying to understand better how how the Bible hangs together, what God is saying to us and in jazz, we're kind of doing the same thing. We're listening uh, to one another as a band. We're trying to react to what's going on in the moment and creating something beautiful in the moment. and cool. it only lasts for the
1: moment. right, exactly. <laughs> That's good. Um, so, for the listeners, uh, we're in a series right now called Christian Paradigms, and we're sort of uh, trying to break the sort of the trends in Christianity that confuse uh, discipleship, what what it really means to follow follow Jesus. So, um, Doug and I before this actually were kind of talking a little bit about what some of those trends are, and we came up with you know solo Christianity, this idea that you know you can sort of do ch- uh, do church on your own, right? Uh, I don't know if you want to speak a little bit more into that. Uh, what's that kind of idea of solo Christianity?
0: Yeah, we were looking at this question: How do we? How does uh, true discipleship become f- confused? What does it mean to follow Jesus as the church? Right. That was a question that we had and that we were exploring. And and I want to touch on that last bit: as a church, following Jesus right, exactly. as a church, because. I think much of our conception, at least Western conception of discipleship, has become very individualistic. And so it gets off on the wrong foot in all of mm-hmm. our discussions right off the bat. Uh, we need to start talking about discipleship as a church, not just as, a, as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, we make the individual development, uh, our own individual development as a disciple, the goal or pursuit rather than being part of a church or community. And as I see it, the call uh and the context of discipleship, as far as I can tell from from looking at the Gospels, is always intrinsically connected to community, uh, to relationship. First of all, with Christ, and then at the same time with others. Right. Uh, and that's what Christ modeled. Uh, as soon as he comes out of the desert, he calls disciples right, to exactly. himself, yeah. and he doesn't just call one or two. You know, he he gathers a group of guys around him uh, to do this thing called discipleship. And even Jesus himself doesn't do his ministry on his own. Mm-hmm. He's always engaged with, with others and calling others to, um, to emulate what he's doing. Right. Uh, the disciples are called, they followed, and they constituted a community right, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And so Jesus modeled what was to be expected. He equipped them, and then he sent them out. And he didn't send them out, okay, John, you go there. Peter, you go there. He's like, okay, John and Peter, you go there. Right, and by two... And, and, and my guess is he took he took Matthew and Simon the zealot, the two guys that probably, you know, Simon would have wanted to kill Matthew being a tax collector. And he probably... This is my guess. I'm going to have to wait to get to heaven to, to, to get confirmation on this, but... He probably sent those two out together when he sent them out by twos, just to really put-